And uh, so that is why we do what we do. And then our senior pastors, Rob and Pauline, they will be back next week, which is very exciting. They have, um, Pastor Rob has been doing some weddings for some friends and for other people in the southeast of the state. And also as a part of his role in our movement, we're part of the ACC, the Australian Christian Churches. He's our state vice president. So with that, he had the opportunity to share to his pastors in the southeast as well over this last week, ministering to them, helping them be strong and uh, do great things in all their churches around that area. And then this morning, Pastor Rob was ministering at the ACC church in uh, Bordertown. So that's where they are. They'll be back next week. They, they're excited to see you. And I'm looking forward to having them back in church as well. And with, just with honouring them, I, I just have to say as well that um, any time I get to preach, is a, a, it's a responsibility and a privilege. And I thank them and honour Pastor Rob and Pauline for giving me this opportunity to share tonight. That being said, if you've got your Bible, go to the book of Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25. And uh, a part of my, my, I guess, area that I get to oversee in our church is our youth ministry. And so in term four, we, each term this year, we've looked at a different theme. And so in term four, you looked at this theme that we called Power Parables. So it's just a, a nice way of just saying we're doing a collection of talk. We're chronicling some talks on the parables of Jesus. And it's an, I think they're a great thing to look at because oftentimes when we read the parables, they'll say something like this. The kingdom of heaven is like. Jesus will say, how do I, can I illustrate the kingdom? I'm going to tell a story that you understand so you can get a glimpse of kingdom realities. And so we as a youth ministry have been then looking at these, these parables to get a glimpse of something about the kingdom of God that we can then apply to our lives and live in a way that honours Jesus. And so uh, the, in Matthew 13, Jesus says this. So his disciples, in Matthew 13, the, it's an interesting situation. Jesus is teaching at people and the disciples say, why are you... And so Jesus tells this parable of sowing the seeds and, and the different footpath and, the, and other soils in which these seeds fall. And the disciples are like, Jesus, we're not farmers. We're, we're, we're not into agriculture. Why are you telling these random agricultural stories? And so in response to that, um, Matthew 13 Jesus says this, uh, what page have I got? There it is. Um, so his disciples came to him and asked, this is verse 10, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teachings, more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But those who are not listening, even what little understanding they are, uh, they understanding they will have be. I'm going to say it again. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding uh, they will ha they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use parables. Got tongue tied in my head with that one. But it's interesting there. Jesus saying the secrets of the kingdom of God that are revealed through these simple stories that I tell. And so when we read the parables, it's paramount in my opinion that we don't just read them, but we before we read it, we say Holy Spirit. What truth, what secret of the kingdom are you trying to reveal to me in this? When we're reading it, we, we say again, Holy Spirit, what are you trying to say to me as I read this? Once we've read it, Holy Spirit, what was the truth in that about your kingdom that I need to apply to my life? Where am I in this parable? Where should I be in this parable? What needs to change in my life so my life reflects the kingdom principles that you're wanting us to learn in these parables? And so uh, we're going to pray that right now. We're going to pray, Holy Spirit, 
Come, move in our lives. May our eyes be open, may our ears be open to hear the things of the Spirit as we read this parable that we understand the kingdom truth. So Holy Spirit, right now, we just welcome you into our lives. We make room. You, you, you have your way. May our, our spiritual ears, our spiritual senses be alive and active and awakened, that we hear your voice, that we hear what you're wanting to say to us, that, th- that these truths would be deep in our hearts, not just head knowledge, Lord, but it would be what's outworked in our daily lives because we want to live a life that pleases you and honours you and ultimately sees this region change for Jesus because we're living in an obedience and in accordance to your will. In Jesus' mighty name we said, Amen. Amen. So Matthew 25, and we're going to be starting at verse 1, it's the parable of the ten bridesmaids. If you're reading a different translation, you might be more familiar with the parable of the virgins, but it's the same same difference. Verse 1, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough oil for their lamps. When the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were aroused by a shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, you don't have enough, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to the shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him to the marriage feast. That's why I hear the dun dun dun. And the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me. I don't know you, so you too must keep watch, for you don't know the day or the hour of my return. Hmm. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, what are you trying to reveal to me? It's important that we ask that when we read this parable so we understand what God is wanting to do in our lives. And There's some interesting characters that we ultimately see. So we see this bridegroom, the, the groom. Who's that? Jesus. Jesus is the bridegroom. Then we see there's these bridemaids. And that is a picture of the church. Or your translation might say the virgins. That is a picture of the church. And there's five wise and there's five foolish. And the question then comes, are we the believers who are foolish? Are we the foolish believer? Or are we the believer who's wise? Are we a wise believer? Are we in the company of the wise? Or are we in the company of the fool? I know which camp I'd rather park myself in. I want to be in the company of the wise, not the company of the fool. So all, had, all ten had a lamp. All ten had a fire. All ten had oil. But the delay was a great revealer. And for all, for all of us, there's going to be a delay come into our life. There'll be a delay season. And that will reveal to us whether we're the fool or whether we're in the company of the wise. And so whatever that, that delay is for us, where do we sit? And the other thing as well as it's cool, the bridegroom is coming. Jesus is coming back. I know Pastor Rob has been doing a series here lately on end times or end days. Why? And what do we believe? Jesus is coming back. We're believing Jesus is coming back for his church. We've got to be ready for the return of Jesus. But the foolish learnt a hard truth. When that great delay happened, they learnt a hard truth. You can't borrow what you need to buy. 
That's the hard truth that these foolish, the foolish church learn. You can't borrow what you need to buy. Now, we've got to preface this. We know salvation is free. So we have salvation through faith and grace. We, it costs us nothing. Salvation is free. That being said, salvation isn't free. It costs Jesus everything. He died. It cost his life. But for us, we're saved through faith, which is free. We can't pay for our salvation. But to live the life that Jesus wants us to live, there is a cost. There is a price to walking the faith life, in the, living in the faith zone. And so we can't buy our way into heaven, correct, but to live an effective life for Jesus, there's going to be a cost to living that life effectively. And so the lesson is still true. You can't borrow what you need to buy. So it's, and it's interesting, the, the, these wise, the, wise, the wise bridesmaids, these wise, these wise ladies understood something. Uh, it's not that they didn't want to share, but it, it's something that they couldn't share. You, the oil for their lamp, no, this isn't a, a shareable item. If you want extra oil, that's something that you've got to buy. It's not something that can be borrowed. You need to buy it. And so uh, sharing is not an option. And I, as I've said, there is a cost to having your own faith. Got, there is a cost to our own faith. There is a price we need to pay. If we take this, this faith life serious, there's a price that needs to be paid. And so, for myself, and you might be in a similar position, I had the privilege of growing up in church. I, I, I won the lottery. How fantastic is that? But there comes a moment that I needed to realise I can't rely off my parents' oil. That's their oil. There came a moment in my life where I said, oh, that's great that my parents' lamp is lit, but where's my oil? I need, I, I need my own oil. I need my own... I need to go to the shops myself and find some oil to have my own lamp. I can't be reliant on their oil. I need my own oil. It could be the similar situation with a friend. You might have a friend that helps you on the faith journey. But there comes a moment where you can no longer rely on your friend's lamp. You need your own oil for your own lamp. We can't, have, we can't rely on a second-hand faith. We can't be dependent on second-hand revelation. We can't be uh, consumed by second-hand experience. We need our own oil. That's what the wise realise. We need our own oil. You can't borrow what you need to buy. We've got to understand that. And so the second-hand faith, the second-hand revelation, a second-hand experience won't cut it. You need your own fire. You need your own oil. And it reminds me of... A crazy situation in Acts 19. I preached a sermon at youth one time about how to keep your clothes on. Very powerful. But in Acts 19, we, we meet these, these, these uh, brothers called the seven sons of Sceva. And so what these, these dudes were doing, these Jewish men were doing, they were going around casting out demons of people, which is great, setting people free. And so, and then they're, so they're, they're, they've, they've obviously seen some pattern. They've seen a, a formula from people like Paul praying for people and saying, in the name of Jesus, be gone. And the demons are expelled. But then they come to this demon one time. The demon says, I know Peter. Sorry, sorry, not Peter. I know Paul and I know or Peter, whoever it was. One of them, a P person and Jesus. But who are you? And so they, they have this shift take place in their life. They get beaten naked and run away because they didn't have their own oil. They didn't have their own fire. They were living off some formula that they've copied somewhere else. Oh, they just pray in the name of Jesus and it works. Now, copying someone else's faith is awesome, but there will come a moment where you can't rely on the copy. You need your own genuine experience. And they learnt that the hard way. Those seven sons of Sceva were the foolish church. They didn't have their own oil. And so for a season, copying the example set before them worked. But they didn't have their own fire. 
their lack of oil was exposed. But another story, Acts chapter 3. This one's fantastic. You've got Peter and John going to the temple to pray and they see a lame beggar there asking for money. Please give me money. Please help me out. And what do they say? Silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus. And they had some substance. They had something real. They had their own oil. They had their own fire. They paid a cost, which the seven sons of Sceva didn't pay, that they had the authority of heaven on their life. They said, you know what, I can touch you and healing power can go through me. The power of the Holy Spirit will flow through me and touch you in a radical way. And they were the wise church. They knew what it was to dig a well of the Spirit and have their own oil, to have their own fire. And so the question for us tonight is, who wants fire in their lamp? Who wants oil? I know for me, man, I want to be the church of oil. I want to be the church that has some fire. And so if, that's, if you're part of that crew with me, then let's be the wise church. I've got some things here to help us go shopping for some oil. Who wants to go shopping? Yeah. All right, let's go shopping. Oh, go open up your shopping list. Number one, the word. That is the first thing we need on our shopping list. If you want some oil, if you want your own fire, we've got to go shopping for the word of God. Psalms 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light to my path. I love that. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light to my path. Has anyone here had a prophetic word before? Who loves the prophetic? I think the prophetic's pretty fantastic. It's pretty cool how that works. Um, on my phone, I actually have prophetic messages that people have spoken over my life. And often in times of prayer and fasting, I'll play it and I'll just remind myself what, what's been spoken over my life. What, what's the Spirit of God told me in the past? And the prophetic's awesome. Um, like, I think of stories in like 2 Samuel where David... I think it's 2 Samuel chapter 5. David gets anointed by the, by the prophet Samuel. Samuel goes to David's father's house and says, Hey, my, uh, God has, has given me a prophetic message that one of your sons is going to be king. I'm to anoint him with oil. So then uh, Jesse, David's father, brings out all the sons. Not him, not him, not him. Go get, go get the other son. So David gets called and I, just, I can just picture David, young David strutting out like... <laughs> And then he gets the prophetic message. He gets the anointing of oil over his head. You're going to be the next king. Wow, that's pretty fantastic, man. I would love that little trip at home. Oh, I've been called in home. Sorry, brothers, you don't have it. The prophetic message is for me. The prophet, the prophet Samuel wants me. That's pretty cool. Like, I love a bit of the prophetic like that in my life. Um, and then another, another story in the Bible of the prophetic, 1 Samuel 13. This is probably up there in one of the most saddest scriptures you ever read. But there's, uh, they talk about the old and the young prophet. And so this young prophet gets a message from God. Go to this king. Go deliver your message. Do that and do not stay in that city. Do not stay there. You must come back and go a different way that you return. And then this old prophet finds out that this young prophet is preaching and, and declaring the message. And whether it's jealousy or just other things, he's like, oh, this is... Like, he, I've, lost, I've lost what this young prophet has. I want it. So he, he, says, he delivers a message to this young prophet. An angel spoke to me and told me, you must have dinner at my house. And so the young prophet's like, well, the old prophet, this guy is a hero, this guy who I look up to. Well, God speaks to him, surely. Oh, I will go have dinner at his house. 
He goes, has dinner at his house, broke the word of the Lord over his life. He disobeyed God and unfortunately gets mauled by a lion. But, and, and it's the most tragic story because he's on fire for God. He had his own oil. He got distracted by someone else and then it caused, it jeopardized his call that he had on his life. And that's not to say that we don't, that we don't respect the, the, our elders and our other people in life. But the, the thing that we've got to understand is the prophetic is... Uh, the prophetic in our lives is meant to give us uh, clarity, not direction. So when we have the prophetic, the prophetic voice in our life is meant to bring um, confirmation, not direction. We've got to understand that's what the prophetic is for. The prophetic isn't to go, hey, Erica, God's telling you, move over there. Hey, Natasha, God's telling you, move over here. Now, the prophetic might happen like that for us, but that should be confirmation of what's already been stirred in our heart. God should already be stirring and speaking to you. Then the prophet comes and you go, bang, I have agreement with that. Bang, I, I, I'm, I'm in agreement with that because God's already doing that. In, rather than you have the prophetic message, it's like, okay, random. And so for me, I'm often I get prophetic messages. What do I do? I put it on the proverbial shelf. And I just sit it there. As I said, then I look at my phone and go, I'll play and go, hmm, that's interesting. That's actually happened. Hmm, that's interesting. That, that's happened. Hmm, that one I'm not sure about just yet, but it's, it's on the shelf. And so the, we've got to be careful and mature with the prophetic. Just in the same way when we read, when we read the, uh, the parables and we say, Holy Spirit, what are you trying to say to me? We've got to go, Holy Spirit, with this prophetic word. It, where does this sit in my life? Because just like the young prophet, we want to be like him and go, I know God's spoken to me. And then that when the, the prophetic comes, we're not derailed because we're, oh, the prophetic, the prophetic. No, it's meant to bring clarity. It's meant to, uh, and, and confirmation, not direction. We gotta, and that's what maturity understands those things. So we don't, we don't despise prophecy. We put it on the shelf and we, we let it... Uh, Bring confirmation, not direction. Why? Because the word, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light to my path. Jeremiah 29 in the New King James says this, But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shot up in my bones. When we get in the word of God, there will be oil. There will be a fire that you go, it's undeniable. I know what God's telling me. I'm, it's undeniable. I know what I'm meant to do in this situation. I know what I'm meant to do in this workplace. I, meant, I know what I'm meant to do over here. Because there's a fire shot up in your bones. Jeremiah's like, I can't contain it. I'm weary from holding it in. Because he, he knew what it was to get in the Word of God and let the Word of God guide him and give him passion. Another one, Luke 40, uh, 24, 32. They said to each other, now this is crazy. So Jesus has died, resurrected, and then there's these disciples walking on the road of Emmaus. And Jesus just um, disguises himself and starts chatting with them. And then at the end of this, they, they realise that they're speaking to Jesus because then he just disappears after eating dinner, which is crazy. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And so what do we see here? The word of God is lights a fire on the inside of us. The word of God is oil that we need for our lamp to burn, to get direction. And so people can crave the prophecy. People can crave the prophet. But I'm here to say, when you have the Bible in your hands, 
The prophetic is right there. When we open this book up, I believe that as you say, Holy Spirit, give me the prophetic message today. Holy Spirit, give me the prophetic message for my life. Give me the prophetic message for the year. Because this book is the prophetic that we need. This God wants to speak to us and he will speak to us through his word. I believe that and we've got to understand and that I can read this, God can speak to me and then the prophet comes and goes, bang, yes, I God spoke to me in Matthew. Yes, God spoke to me in the book of Acts. Yes, God spoke to me in Samuel. And then the prophet comes and brings confirmation to the direction that the lamp has already lit up for us. The, the prophetic is great, but you have the Bible in your hands, which is a prophetic also. And, and so you, we can't afford to borrow what we need to buy. And that's the thing. When, we li- when we're chasing after the prophetic, we're, t- we're saying, I want to borrow your encounter with God. I want to borrow your relationship with God. No, I've got to buy my own encounter with God and let the prophetic add on to what I've already sought. You can't borrow what you need to buy. I can't borrow my, my friend's gym body. I need to invest my body into the gym. You know, I, I can't borrow my person's skill. I can't borrow Benjamin's skill on the guitar. I need to invest myself into playing the guitar. I can't borrow my friend's marriage. I need to invest into my own marriage. Time and time again, we've got to get that understanding that there's things that we can't borrow. We can't go, oh, I'll just take some of your good marriage. No, you've got to invest into your own marriage if you want a good marriage. And the word, Psalms 119, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. I believe that the word of God will guide us step by step with the, the steps that we need to take. When we're in confusion, going, God, what do I do here? What's my next step? We take a hold of that promise. Lord, your word is a lamp that guides my feet. And I'm, I'm seeking this as oil to light my fire that I don't need to worry about what this person's telling me or that person could tell me. I know that, God, you want to speak to me directly that I know the steps to take in this next season. And, and if I was to write it, I would love to write it, your word is the floodlight for my highway. I want the big picture. I want the full details. But you know what God says? You know what? I'm going to give you step at a time. It's not the, the floodlight. It's not the illuminating the highway of life, the next 20 steps. Go, no, there's enough light in that, in, that, in that little fire of oil to take the step, to take the next step, and to take the next step again, because that's how God wants to lead us. And so the Bible is oil for the fire. The Bible uh, is the lamp that we need to be on fire for God. The second one is the Spirit. On our shopping list, we need the Spirit of God. We need the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Fire to uh, consume us. Luke 3.16. This is John the Baptist talking. He answered their questions by saying, I baptise you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. And he's talking about Jesus. So much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And I believe that... Oh, I still believe today that we can have a fresh filling with the Holy Spirit, that we can have a fresh filling of the oil of heaven, that there would be a fire on the inside of us, just like the Word of God can burn like a fire shot up in our bones, that we can read Scripture and go, I, I'm trying to do this and I'm trying to do that. Boom, and the fire, get integrity, the fire, do this, the fire, do that. In the same way that the Word of God comes alive in us, the Holy Spirit wants to put a fire of passion in us. We read in Galatians, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. The Holy Spirit wants to put fire on us that we can't not love, 
that we can't not have joy, that we can't not be gracious towards people. So it's awesome. Acts chapter 2, man, this is like, I love this. But Acts chapter 2, as a Pentecostal church, we believe this stuff. Acts chapter 2 says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And I love the fact that at these, the early church here, when Jesus ascended into heaven, what did he say? Wait in Jerusalem until the gift of the Father promise comes upon you. They, they, you couldn't, they couldn't borrow the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They had to buy it for themselves. They were in the room. And I'm believing for us that I can't rely on Erica's baptism. I need my own fire and filling of the Spirit of God. I can't rely on Vanessa's baptism of the Holy Spirit. I need my own. I can't buy... So I can't borrow what I need to buy. I need to dig my own one and go, you know what, God, I'm going to tarry. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait on you that you'd fill me afresh, that you'd fill me with your power, that I can live the Acts 1-8 life, that I'm empowered to be a witness to see my, my, my hell plundered and hell populated in Jesus' name. And I love it. It says there, what looked like fire... Uh, or sorry, looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. We are... The, 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 the light. We are the candle itself. We are the very thing in which the oil can flow on. Our, our body is the very thing in which the fire of God wants to consume and, and breathe and move upon. Jude 20, if the music team can come back and join me. Jude 20 says, there's no chapter because it is a chapter itself. But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we got to learn what it is to dig the well of the Spirit and go, you know what, um, I, I, want to see God, I want God to move in my life. I want God to speak. Well, sometimes we've got to learn to dig the well and build ourselves up and go, you know what, it's time for me to pray in the Spirit. It's time for me to dig a new well. It's time for me to dig for fresh oil because Jesus is coming and I want to be ready. Jesus is on the move and I want to be ready. I don't want to be left going, oh, uh, I've wasted. No, no. I'm ready for Jesus' return. I'm filled with his power. I'm filled with his oil. I'm filled with his fire because I want to live a life that pleases him. And so as, as the team uh, will lead us in a song in a moment, if you're, if you're willing and able, I'd, I'd encourage us to stand. And as we stand, I want us just to, to ask the question tonight. It's gone, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me in this message? What are you saying to me tonight? What where am I in that parable? Am I the wise or am I the foolish? And if you're the wise, I encourage you, dig again. I encourage you, pay the price again. Hunger again for more oil. Hunger again that fire would consume your life again. If we would find ourselves in the, in the camp of the fool, that we'd go, you know what, oh, it's time to get some oil. It's time. No longer am I going to chase the word of the prophet. I'm going to chase the word of the Bible and believe that I'll get confirmation for it. And, I, and, and so we're going, to, uh, we're going to pray and believe in faith that God can touch us afresh. So how's your oil? Are we wise or are we a fool? And, uh, and, and let's, let's sing and then I'll, I'll pray again.
worship your holy name. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Worship your holy name, Jesus, my everything. All that I am is yours. Fling wide the gates, flood every heart with mercy. For out your presence, inhabit our praise as we cry holy holy pour in the heavens fling wide the gates flood every heart with mercy pour out your presence inhabit our praise as we cry holy holy So I'm going to pray right now, and I'm going to believe that we can have a fresh, a fresh filling of the oil of heaven over our lives. Lord, right now, we just pray that, that we would live a life that seeks you and, and, and is ready for your return. And Lord, we want to be on, on, on the shop for oil, that we would be prepared, that we would be ready, that our lamp is burning bright, that we would have fire to light our path. And so God, right now, I just pray that as people open up their Bible this week, as people choose to, to intentionally pay the cost and seek you by opening up the scripture. Lord, I pray that you would speak to them. Lord, I pray that you would you make yourself known and so real to them that they'd go, I know the step to take. In this complicated situation, I have the key. In, the, in this thing I don't know how to deal with, Lord, I believe that you'll bring them clarity through the word of God that they would go, when the prophetic comes, they go, that is confirmation. That was a clarity that I needed, but it agreed with the word of God I've already spoken. So Lord, I just pray that we would be a church of maturity, that we would be a church that understands the things of heaven and understands that uh, a healthy pattern to live by, not by chasing the prophet, but by chasing your word, because it is a lamp that guides our feet. It's a lamp that guides our steps, that we know what steps to take in clarity and perfect vision, because you're lighting it up. So you know what? Take the step. Take the step. You know where to go. You know what to do. Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, and I pray ultimately for a fresh filling of your Spirit of God in our lives, that when we look at the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, that those things would be evident in our lives because we're filled with something greater, that there'd be fire burning on the inside of us, that just like you filled that room in Pentecost, Lord, that you would fill our lives afresh, that, that we wouldn't just have power for the, for, for, for the sake of one. How, how cool is that church? church experience, Lord, but we would have power to change the world like the only church changed their world. So, Lord, I pray for fresh boldness. I pray for fresh passion. Lord, I pray just for the, a fresh touch of you over everything that we do, that we would be on fire and that we would live like the, the church of the wise uh, bridesmaids that are, that are burning, that are bright, that are shining, ready and willing for the day that Jesus returns. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.